This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. A little later, we're going to be treated to the talents of Lucille Ball as she guest stars with Bob Hope. Our first show, however, features Howard Duff as Sam Spade, the creation of writer Dashiell Hammett for the Maltese Falcon. The series was largely overseen by producer-director William Spear. In 1947, scriptwriters Jason James and Bob Tellman received an Edgar Award for Best Radio Drama from the Mystery Writers of America. Now, here's an interesting little tidbit for you. Dashiell Hammett's name was removed from the series in the late 1940s because he was being investigated for involvement with the Communist Party. And later, when Howard Duff's name appeared in the Red Channel's book, he was not invited to play the role when the series made the switch to NBC in 1950. The Red Channel's book was an anti-communist track published in the United States at the start of the Red Scare, issued by the right-wing journal Counterattack on June 22nd of 1950. The pamphlet-style book names 151 actors, writers, musicians, broadcast journalists, and others in the context of purported communist manipulation of the entertainment industry. That was a pretty dark time in America. Here now is the episode, Deathbed Caper. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. It's me, sweetheart. Risen from not one, but two deathbeds. Oh, Sam, I bet not. You wouldn't take that lying down. Oh, Effie, you made a joke. Well, you did first, Sam. I did not. Oh, you mean you actually... Oh, don't pin me down. Anyway, I was present at two dying declarations. Would you believe, Effie, that a man could say something that wasn't true at a time like that? Oh, no. You mean a man would be lying? On his deathbed? Oh, Effie, you made a joke. Oh, Sam, now stop it. I don't know it's what you It's all mean. right, Effie. I forgive you. You can atone by telling me how wonderful you think I am. I think you're... That you may do when I arrive in a trice to dictate my report on the deathbed caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. 
brave hearts are asleep in the deep. Oh, Sam, you're a sailor. Captain Sam, there's the brig for you. You got your logbook handy, gal? Oh, yes, Captain. So beware. You make it that's awful deep. Be. Date, June 20th, 1948. Where? I have no shame. To uh, Marin County Sheriff's Office, San Rafael, California. Attention, Deputy Woodington from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the uh, deathbed caper. Dear Bill, the uh, dawn came up like thunder out of Chinatown across the bay. In San Francisco, all we could see was fog. But on your side, it must have lifted briefly because somebody named Dan Starbuck managed to find his way to a phone booth, call me, and ask me to meet him at the 3rd Street Pier in Sausalito. I didn't see him when I first got there. I didn't even see the pier. It was too foggy. But in the glow of the neon lights in front of the Viking Saloon, I saw a man who seemed to be waiting for somebody. He was a big guy with a good face, but plenty of worry on it. Mr. Spade? Yeah, Mr. Starbuck? Dan Starbuck. Come on down to the end of the pier. I'll explain as we go along. We've got to hurry. You act hot. You wanted for something? Well, I'm not yet. What's the caper? Well, my brother's out there on his yacht, the Marguerite. He's dying. When he's dead, they may call it murder. I want to be there with a witness. That's you. In case he has anything to say about who did it. Who did? They think I did. Did you? Honestly, I don't know. It happened the night before last. I went out there to see him. We've hated each other for years. We've both been drinking, and we drank some more. Then there was a fight. I drew a blank somewhere. Next thing I knew was around midnight. I pulled myself together, went into his cabin. Gordon was lying there with his head all kicked. I realized I was covered with blood, and I was holding something in my hand, big glass paperweight. I dropped it. I got out of there fast and swam ashore. I planned to tell you a different story, but that's it. You want the job or not? You think you'll make a deathbed statement that'll clear you and you want me for a witness? Yeah, that's it. You got a lot of guts. I'm hired. Good. Uh, Halverson? You down there? Halverson! Who's Halverson? Uh, he's a boatman. He'll row us out. Halverson? Hey, Nils? Donnie? Yeah. Is that you, Casino? Sure. Can I do you some favor? I want to go out to the Marguerite. I can't find Halverson anywhere. All right, I guess I can take you. Are you sure that yeah, you... I'm sure. Uh, uh, Sam Spade, Del Casino. He's the boss of the Marguerite. Glad to meet you. Same. Any front of Danny's. Hey, listen, Danny, you sure you want to go out there? Any reason why you shouldn't? Well, it's up to him. In his place, I would be on a freighter for China, way out there where the fog is more thicker. No, it's all right, Casino. I know what I'm doing. Well, uh, your friend, you, you excuse me, your name? Spade. You pardon me, I better ask. The police don't want you for nothing? Not yet, but don't make book on it. Uh, push us clear, Danny. This fog is closing in. But I can still see the lights from the Marguerite. I wish we don't find her. But we did. She was wearing clam diggers, an off-the-shoulder T-shirt, and was leaning against the rail as the dinghy pulled past a police launch and nestled in under the ladder of the yacht. Dell? Dell, is that you? Yes, Mr. Starbuck. 
Who is that with you? Keep quiet. Dell. Dell, what are they saying ashore about... Oh, I, I thought you... You're Mrs. Starbuck? Yes. I'm Sam Spade. I'm from San Francisco. I'm a detective. Your brother-in-law's in the boat. You captured him? He wants to come aboard. He wants to... Why? He's hoping your husband will say something to clear him before he dies. Is there any reason why he shouldn't come aboard? Oh, there's every reason in the world why he shouldn't. The police are in there with my husband right now. Yeah? The doctor says there's a possibility that he may regain consciousness long enough to make a dying declaration. Mm-hmm. If, if he's face to face with Dan, there's no telling what he'll say. I wish Dan wouldn't... My, my husband is dying. Dan? Yeah, what's he say? I don't know, but I think you'd better come aboard. He seemed almost delighted as he swung his weight up out of the dinghy and climbed the ladder. Del Casino, the bosun, followed, wearing a puzzled expression that turned to fear as we entered the cabin. The yellow glare from the lamp swinging overhead was almost blinding to walk into out of the foggy night. The first thing I focused on was the bunk that held the dying man. His head was heavily bandaged, his skin was chalk white, and his lips were beginning to turn blue. The room was tense with waiting. Ranged around him in a semicircle were the supporting players. Two doctors, one family type with a nurse, one police medic without, one sheriff with cigar, one police stenographer, female with pencil and notebook poised, nine-tenths of a widow, and us. At 18 minutes past seven, somebody moved. It was a dying man. The two doctors rushed forward, took his pulse and blood pressure. Let's go. Adrenaline 3 cc, chlamine 1, saline solution. Oh. All right, Sheriff, he's conscious now, but uh, you'd better hurry. All right, Ah, uh, Mr. Starbuck, you can hear me all right? Mm-hmm. Take that down. Can you hear me? Affirmative answer. Now, Mr. Starbuck, we have to ask these questions. One, what is your name? Please try to answer. What is your name? Gordon M. Star. You got that? What is your name, Gordon M. Star? That's close enough. Fill it in later. Now, Mr. Starbuck, where do you live? Uh, where do you live? I'm dead. You got that? 177 Marymount, Pasadena. Hey. Now, Mr. Starbuck, let's try a little harder. Hmm? This is a long one. Have you been injured? What was the cause of your injury? Uh, yes. Hurts, man. You got that? Affirmative. Now, the second part. What was the cause of your injury? Uh, head. Huh? Head on head. Uh, do you believe that you're about to die as a result of your injuries and have you no hope of recovery? I know. No hope. Now, now let's get to the point. Who inflicted said injuries? My. Hey, Mr. Starbuck, please, you haven't much time, you know. Go away. Doc, is there anything you can do? I'm afraid not. Oh, oh this is ghastly. Can't you leave him alone? Can't you let him die in peace? What are you afraid of, Maggie? What are you afraid he'll say? All right. All right, tell them, Gordon. It was Dan that struck you, wasn't it? He was jealous. He always hated you for marrying me. It was Dan. Now, 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 Mrs. Starbuck, I know how you feel, but we can't allow this sort of thing. Please step aside so we can finish up here. Mr. Starbuck. Doctor? Uh, very low pulse. I'm not sure. Dan. But... Dan. Is Dan here? 
Here I am, Gordon. Tell him. Tell him the truth. Do you identify this man, Mr. Starbuck? Yes. He's my brother. Dan. Yeah. You got that? Brother Dan, he's... He's the one. He's lying. Gordon, you know who did it. Why don't you tell the truth? What do you got to lose now? Nothing. Nothing. I'm finished. You finished me. Gordon! Gordon, not yet. I'll come back. Doctor, can't you... He's dead. Well... Okay, Doc. Dennis Starbuck, it is my duty as sheriff of this county to take you into custody on suspicion of murder. And I must tell you that anything you say may be held against you. You'd better come along too, Spade. Routine questioning, you know. Okay, Sheriff. Well, I don't think we'll need the handcuffs, will we, son? No, I'll go with you. Yes, indeed, son. It's always smart to come along quietly. Yeah. Look, this is as far as I'm going. Hey, Dan, come back here. Use your head. had one friend. It was the best friend in the world for a man on the land, the fog. The searchlights on the police launch spun frantically as the craft heeled around in a half circle to head him off. Instead of cutting the fog, the beams from the powerful lights bounced back from it and blinded the men behind them. After ten minutes of that, they gave up. The sheriff had a theory. Ah, uh, don't worry. Between the fog and the currents, I doubt if we'll make it. We'll probably recover the body in the morning. And they did. But it wasn't Dan Starbuck's body. It was the bosun, Del Casino. And he was found in Richardson Bay, adrift in the dinghy from the Marguerite. Somebody had creased his skull with the same type blunt instrument that had been used on Gordon Starbuck. But Dell hadn't lived long enough to make a dying declaration. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. to Caper with Two Deathbeds. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. The police theory of the Del Casino killing went something like this. Casino had shoved off in the dinghy to join in the search for Dan Starbuck, had rescued him and been maced for his pains. Also found in the dinghy, but not as yet worked into the police theory, were two items. One... A waterproof wallet containing the seaman's papers of one Nils Halverson. Two, a tattoo mark on the right bicep of the deceased. A small heart with a name in it, Maggie. The brand new widow of the same name was waiting in my office when I got there the following afternoon. Hello. Hello to you, Mrs. Starbuck. What can I do for you? Mr. Spade, I, I know very little about the ethics of your profession and... Well, are are you still working for Danny? If you mean, do I know where he is, the answer's no. Oh, I hoped you'd say that. Why? Because I want you to work for me. Need a new bosun? You needn't have put it quite so crudely. No, I needn't. 
Since your work is confidential, I'll admit I've... I've done a few things that... Well, it's all too true. My first mistake was marrying Gordon Starbuck when I didn't love him. And I should never have let myself fall in love with Dan. I certainly should have known better than to let Dell fall in love with me. What about Nils Halverson? And me? Well, hardly. No. Nils Halverson was employed by my husband for various odd jobs whenever we put in at Sausalito. Mostly he'd row the guests out to the ship. He rowed Danny out the night my husband was killed. At least I think he did. I didn't actually see him. Where's Halverson now? I don't know. He, he goes off on drunks for days at a time, but, but... But I have a feeling that someone has paid him to disappear. He, he might have overheard something. Hold on a minute. You're going too fast. Are you uh, working up to a confession? Oh, no. It's, it's just that I'm afraid a great injustice may have been done to Danny. After all, Mr. Spade, a man who's dying, I, I don't see how he could be altogether in his right mind. Do you? The law says he is if he knows his name and address. A deathbed accusation is the strongest evidence a lawyer can shove at a jury. You can't cross-examine a dead man, and most people have the quaint idea that a man on his deathbed is a lot more truthful than he was when he was hale and hearty. Then you think Gordon may have been lying? Could be, or wool-gathering, or picking up some of the lines you were feeding him. Oh, I, I was just afraid he might die before he... You, you see, I thought I might shock him into saying yes or no. He, he could have said no, couldn't he? Well, make up your mind. Oh, all I know is it's on my conscience now. If we could find old Halverson and force him to tell what he knows. He's a very strange man. He's devoted to me. If, if the police find him before I do, he, he might refuse to talk out of a mistaken loyalty. To you? Well, I, I meant if he thought I had anything to do with the... Well, he's very strange. I told you that. What makes you so sure he's alive? Why wouldn't he be? If I'd been the killer and he'd rode me to and from the scene of my crime, I'd see him secured in Davy Jones' locker. Fish feed, lobster bait, asleep in the deep. Will you work for me? I'll let you know. I didn't have time to get tattooed, but the rest of me was marinated enough. On my head, I was wearing a dirtied-up yachting cap. And the rest of me, I was wearing a pea jacket, dungarees, and sea boots. I was also wearing clamshell number five as I rolled up to the Viking saloon. Well, what would be, mate? Uh, Akavit and Vakta. Uh, have you seen my cousin? Your cousin? Who's your cousin, Prince Valiant? Uh, no, my cousin, Niels Halverson. Niels Halverson. Oh, no. You're Niels' cousin, mm, are you? Yeah. Well, uh, coming from the old country? Yeah, uh, Minnesota. Uh, by you, Minnie. Well, no, he'll be right glad to see you then. Uh, where uh, fair is he? Uh, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say this too loud. Yeah. Bend over there. Yeah. He's in trouble, you know. Oh. Yes, I got him holed up down below. Oh. Yeah, come on, come on. Well, by golly, I sure been glad to be going to see my cousin Niels. <laughs> Niels Halverson. Drop the act and get down there. Hey! Okay, Joe, I'll take over from here. Easy, easy. Okay, Danny, my boy. I got his gun. Well, watch him now, watch him. He's full of smorgasbord. Well, Spade, you're the one person I didn't expect to see. But I'm very glad to. Yeah, I wish I hadn't found you. I wanted to find somebody else first. Halverson? Yeah. He's here. Want to see him? That's what I came for. And under here. Watch your head, low bridge. Yeah. 
Yeah, here we are. Where? A boathouse under the pier. Harrison used to hole in here to sleep off his schnapps. Where's he now? Over here. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's going to be a long time sleeping this one off. He'd been missing since that night. Nobody knew he was here till last night. I headed for the saloon when I swam ashore. Joe hid me out here. He could still talk then. What'd he say? I wrote it down here. But it's no help. Let's see it. It's just a jumble of words. Uh, Marguerite. Marguerite. Merry Christmas drink. My beautiful Helga. Row, row your boat. Now throw me back. Row me back. Twenty dollars good and drunk. Fog rolling in. Good and drunk. Gonna be five days. No business. Oh, my head. Paint the boat. All crazy stuff. Twenty dollars. Uh... Did you give him 20 bucks to row you I out? I didn't even see him. I swam out. My loving brother wouldn't have let me on board if he'd hurt me arriving like a gentleman. 20 bucks. Did you frisk him? No. I'll have a look. No, I don't... Hey, wait. Uh-huh. Real soggy, but a 20. I don't care. I'm sticking to my story. I swam out there. I didn't give him that 20. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. You gotta believe me. I didn't even have 20 bucks. That's why I got... Shut up. What's the matter with you? What are you gonna do? Come over here, Dan. What? I don't believe a word of your story, and even if I did, it wouldn't make any difference. What are you... Shut up. You're gonna stop talking and listen for a while. I stuffed a gag into his mouth and muscled him over to a piling and handcuffed him to it. He didn't even look surprised. He just stood there staring at me as if he'd lost his last friend in the world. But I wasn't looking at him as much as I was listening to those footsteps and the boards overhead. I waited for them to come back. They did. I walked across the soggy planks to where Nils Halverson lay in the shadows. Nils. I want you to answer these questions again. Now, this time, I'm going to take them down. You get lots of $20 and lots of drink. Now then, I know you don't feel so good. You don't have to talk if you don't feel like it. Just nod your head for yes and shake it for no. Okay, Nils? That counts in a court of law as long as there's a witness. Okay. Now, your name is Nils Halverson. Your address is 213 Bayview Sausalito. That's correct, is it? Nod your head. Good. Good. That proves you're in your right mind. You know you were injured. Yeah. You know the cause of your injury. Hit on the head and thrown over the side of your boat. What? Huh? Not from... Oh, dinghy. Well, it's the same thing. All right. Now, you know you're dying. You have no hope of recovery. That's obvious, but nod your head. That's the boy. Now, uh, Nils, on the night of the 18th, around 10 o'clock, after your usual working hours, you rowed somebody out to the yacht Marguerite in return for which this person gave you a $20 bill. This person is also the person who killed, who, in, who inflicted your fatal injuries. It is. Now, uh, the name of that person, if you can possibly speak even in a whisper, so there can be no mistake. Can you hear me? Just say it close to my ear. Yeah? Yes. Yes, I got it. That's all. Now, I know you don't write, Nils, but make your mark here. Come on, I'll guide your hand. There. Now we're going to take... Nils. Nils. Well, anyway. 
All right, Maggie. Come on in and join the party. Uh, don't try anything. The light's on you. I'm a better shot than you, and if there's a ruckus, the whole saloon will be down on us. They're all friends of Danny's, too. Stop there. Toss the gun. Okay. What's the matter, Angel? You look kind of scared. No. Just disappointed, that's all. Don't give up so easy, sweetheart. I always wanted to take a trip around the world. We might go on the Marguerite together. Yeah. Yeah, sailing into the sunset, sleeping with our deathbed statements under each other's pillows. Yeah, I see what you mean. I guess it wouldn't work. How much for yours, and what do we do about him? Dan? I'll take care of that. Throw it in with a deal. Okay. But I want it in writing. A little statement to the effect that I can keep under my pillow. Fair enough. Now, all I want from you is a little statement from you to this effect. That you, Marguerite Starbuck, employed Nils Halverson to row you out to the yacht on the night of the 18th, that you there overheard a quarrel between your husband and brother-in-law... And that taking advantage of said brother-in-law's inebriated condition, you sneaked up behind your husband, hit him with a paperweight, and decamped, leaving the murder weapon in Dan's hand. You then started back to shore in the dinghy, and realizing that the only witness who could testify you were aboard that night... All right, all right. All right, I'll sign it. Okay. We'll have plenty of time to put in all the legal decorations later. I'm afraid we won't, baby. You're going to be spending all your available time at the Hatchapi and points west. What are you talking about? You just made a full confession in front of a witness. You heard it, didn't you, Dan? Every word. Oh, if I... Honest. An honest man. Well, I did tell a fib. Now, this is really going to hurt, I'm afraid, Maggie. You see, we didn't actually have any deathbed statement to match yours. No? No. Nils Halverson was a good deal too dead to have made a deathbed statement just now. He's been stiff for 12 hours. Uh, period and a report. Sam, I'll type this right up because then I'm leaving. Wait a minute, Effie. I had to do it that way. Don't you understand? Of course, Sam. I quite understand. But you object, huh? A cruel, ruthless, murdering, though beautiful woman, foiled by a clever ruse, a great acting performance by the greatest private detective of them all. Is that all? You're still leaving? Yes, Sam. My bags are packed. Well, pardon me for having feet. <laughs> Sam, goodbye. Now, wait a minute, Effie. You can't leave like this, not without... Oh, all right. I'll talk to you while I'm putting my hat on. Well, can't you at least look at me? After all, you should give me a chance to justify... Sam, apparently you're laboring under an apprehension. Of course I am. Oh, boy, am I glad I picked the last in June and the first in July. What are you talking about? My vacation. Vacation? You just had a vacation a few months back. Well, Sam, that's a year. Well, if you want to take advantage of the legal technicality... Now, Sam, don't say goodbye, man. Well, it... Well, it's customary, I suppose. It's, it's lucky that some of us keep our nose to the grindstone, our ear to the ground, an eye to the future. Huh? Television's just around the corner, you know. Oh, Sam! <laughs> Come here, sweetheart. You look lovely in it. Come here. Have a wonderful time. <laughs> oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Come here. <gasps> Now go on, you miss your train. Uh, where are you going? Los Sierras. Well, just so you don't go to Canab, Utah. All right, Sam, you know best. Good, good night. Good night, Sierra Sue. Now, who can we get for that part next week?
Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Loreen Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keep it all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. Stay tuned for The Bob Hope Show next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for The Bob Hope Show. Better break, swan soap lady. You get a better break. You get a better break. You get a better break. With a cake of swan. From Hollywood, California, Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Swan, bring you the new Bob Hope Swan Show. Well, I swan. Me too. So do I. How about you? With our great singing star, Doris Day, our guest, Lucille Ball, a new singing sensation, Bill Farrell, Irene Ryan, the four hits and a miss, the new Les Brown Band, and yours truly, Hi Aberback. We get a better break with Swan, how about you? Yes, how about you? Who, me? I just got back from a 10,000-mile tour. We traveled so fast, I didn't even have a chance to get a haircut. Say, your hair is long. You said it. When I got off the plane, a reporter came up to me and said, when are you going to marry Ali Khan? <laughs> and now, Bob Hope's Swan's Eye View of the News. Moscow, Russia. Moscow, Russia? Oh, yes. Uh, this week... <laughs> it's nice to have the right script in your hand. <laughs> this week, in order to increase the circulation of money and expand business, the Soviet government employed magazines, radios, and billboards in launching a vast advertising campaign in the manner of the American businessman. Yes, sir, the Russians are now advertising just like we do. Imagine a signboard with a big picture of Joe Stalin, and underneath it says, I'm lovely, I'm engaged, I lux out my mustache and draino. <laughs> They're copying a lot of our products in Russia. They even got a drink called vodka cola. You drink a bottle, grab a smudge pot, and do your own skywriting. And Russian advertising has even adopted some of the American slogans. Now they got smoke unlucky, strike itchkas, and feel your level worst. Chew lifesavers, don't be an unpleasant peasant, and use Stanislavski's girdles. They lift the blockade. And the Russians have a new car in the market, a Stalin V8. Instead of a bumper in front, it's got a mustache. And underneath the hood, there's no motor, just Molotov on a treadmill. <laughs> Even though the Russians can buy all sorts of products, they're still not allowed to be too happy. They got a thing called Kremlin candies. There's something like lifesavers, only there's no flavor, no taste, no sugar. Kremlin candies just sit on your tongue and look stupid. 
Lately, the Soviet government has been copying our methods of making breakfast cereals, too. Of course, the Russians have everything a little mixed up. They've been putting the cereal in the bowl and shooting the people out of guns. <laughs> they modernized the political advertising over there, too. The government just started running a new ad. It's a picture of two chairs with a man sitting on one of them and a sign underneath, Which Twin Disagreed with Stalin? <laughs> After two weeks on the road doing another series of personal appearances, the Bob Hope Swan Troop returned home here today. I've been away from home so long that when my little boy opened the door this morning, he said, we don't want any fuller brushes, and slammed the door in my face. <laughs> and I knocked again and told him I was his father, and he slammed the door in my face again. <laughs> but what a trip. Our plane made a perfect four-point landing. It's the last time I put my head out of the window on the way down. <laughs> we visited Texas again on this trip. That's real cow country, you know. I was sure of it when the governor shook hands with me one finger at a time. <laughs> and I sure stayed a lot of hotels on this trip. I now have the only bathroom in Hollywood with towels marked his, hers, and Statler. <laughs> Business was good everywhere, but money is getting a little scarce around the country. I won't say how tight money was, but I got a $5 bill in one town, and both of Lincoln's eyes were bloodshot. <laughs> When we arrived in Providence, the band was playing Columbia, the gem of the ocean, and an NBC man said, Egad, have they bought that too? <laughs> it really was foggy at the airport this morning. When our plane landed, I bent over and kissed the ground, and a gopher looked up at me and said, of course, you know that means we're engaged. <laughs> From St. Johnsbury, Vermont, to San Jose, California, all across the country, swan rappers are pouring in to care. Yes, America has opened its heart to the 30 million little children in Europe who need soap, almost as desperately as they need food. Soap helps prevent disease. Nothing fights germs like cleanliness. And a little thing like soap boosts morale, too. Let's not forget that. And now, soap is actually going to be sent abroad, lots of it, with your help. It's the great Care Swan Soap campaign. The campaign to send white floating swan to kids in Europe through Care. That great nonprofit, government approved organization which has already delivered so many packages to the needy in Europe. Here's how the Care Swan campaign works just buy two or more cakes of swan soap, keep the soap for your own use, and mail the wrappers, two or ten or a dozen if you want, to Care, C A R E, Boston 1, Massachusetts or to your local NBC station. For every two wrappers received, Lever Brothers Company will send a regular size cake of swan through care to some little kid over there. Delivery is guaranteed. You'll want to get in on this great plan of swans. Just remember, over in Europe, there are 30 million little kids who need soap. And who knows, maybe if some of that dirt is washed away, there might be a smile showing. So start those swan wrappers coming to care, won't you? All wrappers must be mailed before August 1st, 1949. The address again is care. C-A-R-E, Boston 1, Massachusetts, or your local NBC station. Start your swan rappers coming tomorrow. Here's another tune by those Oscar snatchers, Evans and Livingston. Their latest effort written for the Paramount Pictures, Sorrowful Jones. And who could introduce it better than Doris Day? They seem to say Maybe love 
on its way I'm having a wonderful wish Time you were here The town's awake And so am I In no mood To just sit by I'm having a wonderful wish Time you were here Couples on the corner Laughing, loving Make me feel so alone I'd really like to do some Loving in a twosome All my own Why must they keep The moon so bright I won't sleep a wink tonight I'm having a wonderful wish She's been waiting so long Time you were here Couples on the corner Laughing, loving Make me feel so alone I'd really like to do some Loving in a twosome All my own Why must they keep The moon so bright I won't sleep A wink tonight I'm having a wonderful wish Been waiting so long Time you were here, my darling Time you were here Thanks, Doris. You sang that song even better than you did at my party the other night. Oh, thanks, Bob. Is that the first one of my parties you've been to this year? Oh, no, Bob. I've been to all of them. Don't you remember? I bought a season ticket, paid $14 for it. <laughs> oh, yes. That's one of the bleacher seats in my front room, yeah. <laughs> But this party was sure different, wasn't it, Doris? You know, I gave it for the crew of the United Airlines plane that took us on our trip. Oh, I know. And it was certainly clever of you to fix your house up so it looked like an airplane. Why, you even had wings in the sides of it and landing wheels painted out in front. Yeah, the wings should have had flaps, but Sidney Greenstreet refused to sit up there in his underwear. <laughs> but the people were sure surprised when they arrived to find my house looking like an airplane. Yes, and when Les Brown's drummer walked in, I noticed for the first time he was only three feet tall. Yeah, I should have told him about that propeller on the front porch. <laughs> at the party, and I sure liked the plane crew, especially Captain Kesick. What about him? Oh, he had such nice technique. When he met me, he kissed my hand, Bob. Yeah, those pilots are all alike. They start on your hand and try for altitude. <laughs> Boy. Boy, those aviators really went for that food, didn't they? <laughs> yes, what there was of it. Bob, why do you serve such small portions? Were they small? Small. It was bad enough that the steaks were tiny, but when anybody asked for some ketchup, you served it out of a ballpoint pen. <laughs> and what was that platter of stuff you had in the middle of the table? Nobody could figure out what it was. Yeah, I made that myself. I call it chicken surprise. Surprise? The part I got looked bewildered. <laughs> well, the part of the chicken it came from can't see where it's going. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you'll have to admit that gravy was something. Oh, it was something, but it wasn't gravy. <laughs> thickest stuff I ever saw. Oh, stop exaggerating. The gravy wasn't so thick. Not much. The first time I ever saw anybody slice it up and then deal it. <laughs> well, all I know is people called me the next day and hello, said they never Mr. had Hollis. a better time. Hello, and... Mr. Howe. Oh, hello, Miss Ryan. We were just talking about Bob's party the other night, which reminds me, Miss Ryan, I didn't see you dancing very much. Well, don't you know why? The orchestra made me leave the floor. They said when I danced, I threw them off the beach. <laughs> well, how could you do that? Oh, I don't know, unless it was the swishing noise from my corduroy bloomers. <laughs> oh, yes. They're the latest thing, aren't they? I saw them advertise in Sears Roebuck's harness section. dancing anyway on account of my weak back. Oh, is your back weak? Oh, I should say so. <laughs> if it wasn't for that extra wide scotch tape and a starch bath every day, my spine would dangle like a petunia. <laughs> well, have you seen an osteopath? Yes. And he took an x-ray picture of my spine And when he developed it He made 5,000 copies 5,000 copies? Why? He sold them to the automobile club As a new route to Lake Arrowhead But you did have a good time at my party, eh, Miss Ryan? Oh, I haven't had such a good time Since we put on the candy bazaar at my club Oh, you mean last month when the girls in your club made candy and sold it? Yeah oh. They were candy kisses And we sold them to the men When somebody bought a box, they had to kiss the woman who they bought it from <laughs> How'd you do? Well, Mrs. Schwartz isn't very good looking But she sold 75 boxes And I sold 75 too of course, Mrs. Schwartz and I got pretty tired of kissing each other. Well, which one is Mrs. Schwartz? Oh, she's the one whose husband has a size three head. Size three? Yes. He's got a job as mechanic for the new Buick. He's the only man they could find with a head small enough to stick in those little portholes. <laughs> Oh, I remember him now. His wife uses his head to darn socks on. <laughs> but tell me, Miss Ryan, how old are the other women in your club? Oh, they're all about the same as me. We're at that in-between age. <laughs> uh, you're at that in-between age? Yeah. With Tyrone Power But our names Are on the Saratan mailing list <laughs> Miss Ryan I don't like to be personal But why didn't you Ever get married? Well, at one time I used to correspond With a boyfriend And the romance Was going fine Until I got serious You see, in my last letter To him, I said I'm going to marry you If it's the last thing I ever do And what happened to him? I never knew until I saw his picture in the paper the other day In what paper? Oh, all of them He's the man who sealed himself in that room for ten years <laughs> Goodbye now Thank you, Miss Ryan 
And now here's High Everback to tell you how you can help get Swan Soap over to 30 million little kids in Europe. That's right, Bob. It's the CARE Swan Soap campaign, and if everybody in the United States gets behind it, this campaign will get millions of cakes of soap over to those kids who really deserve a break. Well, I know they will, High, because America's made up of folks like the neighbors of heroic little Roberta Lee Mason, who pitched in and built her a new house after that fire out in De Plains, Illinois. It's an American tradition to help the other fellow when he's down, and those little kids in Europe are down. They need soap. No wonder the swan wrappers are pouring in. They're coming from the most generous people in the world. Right, Bob. And here's the way the Care Swan Soap campaign works. Just buy lots of swan. Keep the soap for your own use. And send the wrappers to Care, Boston 1, Massachusetts, or to your local NBC station. For every two wrappers received, Lever Brothers Company will send one regular size cake of swan to a needy child in Europe through Care. Hi, I do hope everybody listening gets in on this Care Swan campaign. I just think it's wonderful sending soap to those little children in Europe. Well, Doris, it's so easy to help. Remember, just send Swan wrappers, two or as many as you want, to Care, Boston 1, Massachusetts, or to your local NBC station. And all Swan wrappers must be mailed before August 1st. So how about it? Start those Swan wrappers coming tonight. <laughs> Les Brown and his band opens tonight at the Palladium here in Hollywood. We'll all be there to jump with those musical gypsies, all of us including Billy Farrell, ladies. I let my heart fall into careless hands. Careless hands that broke my heart in two. You held my dreams like worthless grains of sand. Careless hands Don't care when dreams slip through I brought you joy And dear, I love you so But all that sunshine Didn't make the roses grow If you don't change Someday you'll know the sorrow Of careless hands That can't hold on to love And ladies and gentlemen, here's the gal I had the pleasure of working with in the forthcoming Paramount Picture, Sorrowful Jones, my favorite redhead, Lucille Ball, right here. <laughs> Gee, you're looking lovely tonight, Lucille, and what a hairdo. Oh, you like it, huh? Yeah. If you get together with a boy with the green hair, you'd make a great traffic signal. <laughs> Well, Bob, it is nice seeing you. We haven't seen each other since we made Sorrowful Jones. Yes, Sorrowful Jones, a Paramount picture starring Lucille Ball and Bob Hope. Soon to be seen 
scene at your neighborhood theater. Good, clean entertainment for the whole family. Logan's one dollar, uh, general admission, 85 cents. And if you miss the picture, we'd be glad to come to your house with a projector. <laughs> Bob Welsh will be there with a the popcorn. <laughs> Barney Dean with the butter. You know I'm a lucky man, Lucille. What do you mean, Bob? Well, in one year, I worked with the Insorrowful Jones and in the Pale Face with Jane Russell. Yeah, I bet you've got all the romantic leading men in Hollywood worried. You said it. Cary Grant's so worried he's having another dimple drilled in his chin. <laughs> I loved working with you You're the first actress That's never made a crack About my nose Well, your nose Never bothered me, Bob In fact, I appreciated it When I was working at Paramount What do you mean? It was such an easy place To hang my coat every morning (laughs) But you've got to admit We had a lot of fun Doing the love scenes, Lucille Oh, I meant to ask you, Bob In the last scene uh, Where we kissed And I hugged you so tightly Yes Did I hurt you, honey? (laughs) No, you just let the air out of my shoulder pad. Okay. <laughs> oh, sort of a sympathy laugh. I didn't like that. <laughs> really, Bob, I, <laughs> I hope we get to make another picture together soon. I love working over at Paramount. Every morning, a little old lady would come into my dressing room, sweep up the plays, empty the ashtrays, dust the furniture. I was so pleased with the service, I gave her a quarter every morning. That Crosby makes a fortune in tips. That little old lady was Crosby? Yes, you just didn't recognize him in his dust cap and house coat. Oh, I think that's terrible. What are you complaining about? Somebody got me a blind date with him once. (laughs) Think how I felt rolling that lard around. But enough of the mill dude Mel Torme. How's your uh... <laughs> I made quite a production out of that, don't you think? <laughs> Say, how's your uh, radio show, My Favorite Husband, coming along? You're on that other network, aren't you? You mean CBS? Please, Lucille, that's like singing the Missouri Waltz in Drew Pearson's house. Please. <laughs> Anyway, it's not CBS anymore. They changed the name to BSC. BSC? Yeah, Benny, still counting. <laughs> well, I'm happy over there, Bob, and my show has a Hooper rating of 12. That means, theoretically, that uh, 12 million people listen to me. Oh, that's nothing. I've got a Hooper in 93. 93? Yeah, that's the age of the old lady in Pasadena that listens to me. <laughs> Tell me, Lucia, what's your show about? Well, it's called My Favorite Husband, and in it, I'm married to a man who never grumbles and who, no matter how bad things get, always has a cheery word. Who's your husband, Gabriel Heater? <laughs> I wish you could see some of those married couples I saw on my last tour. You'd really have some material. What do you mean? Well, for instance, take that couple in Kentucky. Howdy, Ma. Howdy, Pa. Home from work? Yep, and I got big news for you, Ma. I got a raise today. You mean you got more money? Nope, it still blew up. (laughs) Well, Paul, we're gonna set down to supper soon. You'd better wash up. Wash up again? Land sakes, Paul. When's the last time you did wash? Now, let me see. This is Tuesday. Before that was Monday, Sunday. 
Next Saturday, be 10 years. Paul, how can you go for 10 years without washing? Willpower. Here, Ma, have a chaw of tobacco. Thanks, Paul. Ma. Yes, Paul. That's my thumb. My tobacco's in the other hand. I've got news for you, Pa. What is it, Ma? There'll soon be the pitter-patter of little feet upstairs. Well, I guess it's time to DDT again. <laughs> hey, okay, Ma. Get the children in the house and we'll eat. All right. I'll get Lamb, Clam, Rufus, Walter, Albert, Effie Mae, Janie, Betty, Lou, Charles, Cy, Jack, Fred, George, Nellie, Billy, Clarence, Hiram, Helen, and Jean. And I'll get John, Harvey, Cletus, Zeke, and <laughs> Judy, Joe, Nancy, Carolyn, Bertie, Eleanor, Little Daisy, Sam, Kate, Tom, Abner, and Teddy. Well, that takes care of the twins. Who'll get the single ones? <laughs> and another interesting husband and wife I ran across, Lucia, was a Brooklyn cab driver and his bride. Hey, hi there, Rita. Hello, Allie. <laughs> Boy, it's good to be home. I'm beat. I had a tough day today. Some tough day, hanging around the polo grounds, kicking the rocher. <laughs> uh, by the way, I got a little surprise for you. I was talking to Mother today. Your mother? Not mother, mother. A mother is a horse. I know. If your old lady hadn't broken her leg, she'd have won as much money as citation. <laughs> should talk. Your family's no bargain either. I beg your pardon. My father happened to be a great lawyer. Well, he had to be. Your mother was a pickpocket. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep quiet. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Me, married to a cab driver. Ain't you got no ambition? What'd you want to be when you were a little boy? A little girl. <laughs> Yeah, I always wanted a sister. <laughs> now, let me alone. Fine reception I get after I had such a big day out in the street with my cab. A big day. What happened? You run over a cop? No, I got a $10 tip. <gasps> oh, a $10 tip. Oh, well, goodness. I just love them, Biggie Wiggy Alzy Walzy. Rita Weeda's going to kissy wissy, my great big daddy Alekin. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> I already blew the ten. I bought a couple of drinks for the boys at the corner saloon. Oh, of all the nerve. You're always down at the saloon. Why don't you drink at home with me? I'd rather see elephants and snakes like the other fellas. <laughs> that does it, you brute. I'm going home to mother. And if I leave here, our marriage is through. See? You'll never hear my voice again. You'll never eat another one of my meals again. If I leave here, you'll never see my face again. Now, what do you got to say? Taxi lady? <laughs> All thanks for the memory of the progress being made in the cancer drive to aid. Research for cure that you ensure With every cent that's paid We thank you so much And thank you
thanks for the memory of doctors whose great role is curbing cancer's toll. Let's underwrite the doctor's fight. Help them reach their goal. We thank you. We thank you so much. I want to thank Lucille Ball very much. Folks, if you were living in one of the battered towns of Europe and somebody gave you a choice between a gold wristwatch and a cake of soap, you'd reach for the soap. In thousands of homes in Europe tonight, the soap dish is empty, and believe me, it's tough on a mother's heart to see her children with grimy bodies and know that she's fighting a losing battle against dirt and disease. And that's why it's so wonderful you folks mailing all those swan soap wrappers to CARE, Boston 1, Massachusetts. You know, of course, that for every two swan wrappers you send to CARE, Boston 1, Massachusetts, our sponsor is sending one cake of swan free to the kids of Europe. And brother, are you ever sending in the swan wrappers? It's wonderful. The need for soap for Europe's children is great. The more swan wrappers you send in, the more kids will be clean and healthy. Here's a cable from Robert Blake, director of American Aid to France. Meeting soap needs indispensable to restoration of decent health standards. Best wishes and success in campaign. Pierre Schneider, French Minister of Health Cables. All success to radio campaign bringing more health through care to war-damaged countries. Isn't this an easy way to do a wonderful deed, folks? Just mail two swan wrappers to care, Boston 1, Massachusetts, and a sponsor we're mighty proud to work for will put another cake of swan in those empty soap dishes in Europe. Thank you, and good night. has presented the Bob Hope Show with Lucille Ball, Doris Day, Bill Farrell, Irene Ryan, Les Brown and his orchestra, and yours truly, Hi Aberback. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Lone Ranger, followed by Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.